My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. I'm your host, Erin Weideman, founder of Bible Bells and author of The Adventures of Rooney Cruz, a series for girls to help them discover what it means to be truly beautiful. We have an amazing show for you today. I can't believe I get to talk to this incredible woman. Um, Ever since I learned about her story a few years ago, I just felt instantly drawn to her um, for so many reasons that we'll get into today. I'm just going to welcome her on and give her a chance to tell her amazing story. Our guest today, guys, is the one and only Catherine Wolf. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad to be here with you. I was, um, Catherine, I saw your, you know, and I first heard about your story several years ago when I was going through not something similar, but just something medical and and horrific at sort of the same time. Um, And we'll get into all that. But I I think it's funny. This morning I was at Flag flag Salute um, at my school and one of our fifth grade students stood up at the microphone and sang this song by the script called Superheroes. And as she sang, I was thinking about you in our interview today, and she sang these lyrics. When you've been fighting for it all your life, you've been struggling to make things right. That's how a superhero learns to fly. Every day, every hour, turn the pain into power. And I mean, I just got chills because it made me think of you and how how I know you're using your life in so many amazing ways to give hope to other people. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I I really take very little credit for anything in my life because it's totally God's power working in me. You know, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 is so clear and beautiful that in our tremendous weakness, he is strong and able to work far beyond anything we could do on our own. So I like to be clear, it's not my power, it's God's power in me, making this into a beautiful circumstance out of tremendous tragedy. Amen to that. And and your life in so many ways is is such a miracle. I share your story a lot with different friends and relatives and just people that I come into contact with. I had a friend over yesterday and we had a play date with the kids and we both have young daughters. We're at the park and we were talking about, you know, fellowship and just lacking the time to be together in a circle of friends because of our busy lives. And I know that that struggle for, or not even a struggle really, that, you know, that longing and that thirst for fellowship um, as a newly married couple with you and Jay, when you moved to LA, I know you got some advice about plugging into a church there really uh-huh. quickly after you moved. Um, can you talk about the value of that just for people who, you know, you know, as people who left home and were trying to build this life together, you and Jay newly married, um, and just talk about what you found when you plugged into a church there. Absolutely. We consider that to be probably one of the best choices of our entire lives, actually. When we moved to Los Angeles, we were young and married and across the country from our family. And yet, um, specifically, Jay's father, in fact, had 
told us time and time again to plug into a church community. And I guess um, his prayers really worked. And, you know, we kind of heard him but thought we, we know everything. We're <laughs> clearly the enlightened 23-year-olds of all time. Ah, yes. <laughs> and um, we did. We plugged deeply into church community and began leading, in fact, a young married Sunday school class is what we say in the Deep South, but um, a discipleship group, I guess, a, a big group at church. And um, when my brain would explode, honestly, three years later, those people were in the waiting room on a Monday in the middle of the day. I mean, a hundred people gathered. <laughs> Excuse me. A hundred people were in the waiting room um, when I was in brain surgery. Because of that investment, it in those young couples, it was, it's really beautiful to just see the hand of God knitting us together. And in Los Angeles and probably plenty of other places around the country, there's a strange fast forwarding thing that happens because largely you are not with your own family. <laughs> Excuse me. So your friends become your family. And that's so beautiful because you you have this deep familial thing with people that you didn't really know an hour before, but you're just deeply connected. Plus, when you consider the, the new marriage component, you need support so badly when you're newly married. You truly need other couples doing it with you, and you need young women who are also in the same state, so men need, need young men. So you really need each other, and you, you need each other at any age, I should say, though. You need people, and you need Jesus, is the bottom line, to get through this world. But, but for us, that young marriage group truly um, just solidified deep communal living, which we really think had a powerful impact on my outcome. I think, um, you know, something that's that's going to breathe life into the people who are listening to this show is is that community component. I know as, I mean, as somebody who's been married for five years, who, who still feels newly married, and, and it's such a complicated, it's such a complicated relationship, but one that you need to, to, to go through with other couples and you need to commune and you need to get together and talk about some of these things. And, you know, as women, we're sort of, you know, we're really quick to internalize everything and to not feel so candid and open okay. when sharing different things. So I think that piece of of just being really open and honest about who you are, what you're feeling is so, so important in our in our romantic relationships as husband and wife, but ultimately too in all of our relationships and our relationships with our families. And especially here for the listeners of this show, you know, parents and daughters need to feel comfortable having these types of loving relationship conversations. Absolutely. You know, I think it all boils down to this notion of vulnerability. And it's so difficult anywhere in our world to be truly vulnerable, much less vulnerable about your marriage or for whoever it is, just about your heart, this people. It's very difficult to really feel known and be known by other people. And tapping into deep community just increases that. And it's not perfect. It's still complicated and messy and at times can be quite dysfunctional. But community 
get you a step closer to feeling known and allows you to be vulnerable, which is so key. You can you can be more of who God created you to be when others around you know who you are. That's such a crucial point too. And I know, you know, the the circumstances of what happened when you had that massive brainstem stroke. And I'll let you share a little bit more about that in a second for the people that don't know. Um you know, you you didn't just, you weren't in a place in your life where you were just going through that, you and your husband together. You had a six-month-old son when that exactly. happened. Um, so, so a question would be, I mean, at least the question that I want to ask is, what was it like having to go through something like that with a baby so young? And how did you cope through that time and, and through the, the, you know, the extent of your rehab and, and the things that you had to do to, to, to become you know, functioning again and to be able to speak and to be able to to move and to be able to eat and all of the things that you had to work back through. You didn't have to do it alone. You had to do it in front of a, a young, young child. So how did that go? Exactly. Absolutely. Do you want me, Erin, to just basically share what happened and then talk you through that while I do it? I would love, I would love that. Yeah. I think, I definitely think people, you know, if they, a lot of people have heard your story, but many have not. Absolutely. Well, well. in short, I had this massive brainstem stroke with a six-month-old baby asleep in the next room. And when I woke up, quote-unquote, from my coma-like delirium, it had been two months. So two months of his life had gone by. He was an eight-month-old then. And even at that point, it was still another year and a half till I was able to move back home, be mommy again to a degree. So there, there is a basically this terrible hole from the time he is six months old to the time he is almost two and a half, actually. When I wasn't really able to be much of a mommy to him, and it was... Awful. You can imagine the deep pain. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, he was an exclusively breastfed baby. And now I was basically watching him be cared for by other people and just observing him growing up and, and missing being with mommy. It was tragic. And yet I do have to give just tremendous um, gratitude and props to my family friends and my family I mean my in-laws they are my family too because they all cared for James and helped make the best of what could only be a truly horrific situation for a young baby to be so separated from his mommy and yet um you know still quite a with her in some ways when I was out of the initial hospital stay but in brain rehab I was able to live at home for part of the time so I was with James proximity wise but I was still not capable fully of mothering him um, and Jay's sister really stepped in for a large part and did an amazing job caring for him and that that really helped to make things better but it, it was probably the greatest sadness of my entire ordeal was not being mommy to my son. And I'm sitting here like like holding back tears because I think, um, you know, as somebody who's a new mom and who just thinks about how much I love that baby and how she's just a miracle in my own life and I never expected to be this mom, I think that's what struck me, or at least one of the things that struck me most about watching your video and hearing your story, um, you know, is is not being able to communicate and and be with him and be with the other people in your life in the way that you were used to and in the way that you know you can be with people. 
Um, you yeah. know, and and the part of the part of that the video that you have on your site that I've watched, I mean, many many times is is you know you're laying in this hospital bed and you're using this bulky plastic letter board to communicate with people when you couldn't speak. Right. And, and over and over you would type, I'm the same on the inside. And I know personally, having gone through surgery after surgery after surgery, you know, and that can weigh on you and you and you you are so different on the outside and your body isn't the same. Um, but just I, I mean for me as as a point of hope to just hold on to that same feeling that no matter what happens and no matter what our circumstances are, you are the same on the inside. You're exactly the way God made you. Exactly. It was it was so hard and so complicated because you feel like you're you're still that same person. But do the, does the outside world know? Uh, I couldn't speak yet and um, could barely open one eye. I was deaf and I still am deaf in one ear. I couldn't use a hand at all then. One of my arms wouldn't work at all. I'm severely handicapped, couldn't walk. And so I'm, I'm laying there and I'm thinking day after day, do they know my mind is still here? Do they know that my my insides haven't changed? My mind is still intact. My soul is still the same. My heart is still the same. Nothing on the inside has changed. Everything on the outside has changed. But honestly, like, look past that, people. You've got to see I'm still here. I just can't communicate right now. And I think I love that you're saying that, too, because I, and, and not that, you know, what what's come from this, horrific and and that's the really only the way to describe it is just this horrific circumstance of your life yeah so many it's been awful for sure that's fine to say i'm not offended in the least it's a nightmare and yet what beauty from such nightmares you know exactly i think too and just to to give people that hope and that inspiration that's that's the whole point of this show is to show people how this how these moments and how these circumstances in your life can be inspiring and they really do have the power to change us um, you know, and, and I've, I've identified with you just in so many different ways. I mean, everything from, we had a surgery at the same hospital to, you, you know, in, in your video it talks about, you know, Catherine and Jay have this bond over food and that, and he says, I love this, that your love of food is legendary. And I know my husband would say exactly the same thing about me. Yeah, I, I know but- like my love of food is something he just like was drawn to at the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah no, for sure. Jay and I both actually and and that was the most painful part of not eating for almost a year i can't even imagine it was it was absolutely horrible i mean i always say you know try to take a couple days off from eating and see what it does to your psyche try 11 months see what that does to your psyche i I can't even imagine and two and and just what you say i mean even the fact that nourishment aside, like eating is how we do everything. It's how we socialize. It's how we get together and we talk to people. And exactly, everything revolves around eating. Every gathering, every every event, every social thing, at the very least, is about having a cup of coffee or much less. I mean, most events with family involve fabulous meals together and. All of that was gone for me. So it made me feel extremely isolated mm-hmm. and actually like I was in my own little world where I was not consuming, which somehow translated in my brain like I was truly alienated from fully being alive anymore. It was really hard. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the moment where, 
I mean, and you did swallow test after swallow test, and you can explain a little bit about that too for for people who you know are, are thinking about why did you have to do swallow tests? You you did you lost the ability to swallow. Right, right. But I had the stroke and subsequent neurosurgery. Basically, my swallowing muscles were severed to save my life. So I had to relearn to swallow, and it took great effort, tons of therapy to be able to, again, gain the ability to get food down, to naturally swallow. What was the moment like where you were able to do that again for the first time? Um, it, it was nothing short of absolutely amazing. My husband and I went to Trader Joe's immediately, and I was only given clearance to swallow, um, I think, thickened liquids. So we bought every yogurt, every panna cotta, every random custard-like treat, anything that was in the vein of a thick liquid, we, we bought and I ate like none other. Like, if this is all I'm going to get, I'm going to celebrate this yogurt and these funny little custards and this jello and anything that was like a thickened liquid. It was, it was to me, like a taste of heaven. It sounds exactly like what I would do, too. Let, let's go oh, to the yeah. store and give me everything I can eat at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the work that you're doing with Hope Heals. Now, you know, through out of this experience and out of this struggle and the challenge that this was, you know, over the course of several years, can you tell us a little bit about just the driving force behind the work you're doing with Hope Heals, why you're inspired to, to reach people and to share your story with them? Absolutely. Basically, for years and years after the stroke, Jing and I kind of had one foot in ministry and one foot in in life without ministry. Jay was doing some legal consulting. He's actually an attorney by trade. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking at loads of women's events. And we were, you know, really responding to just the incredible need for people suffering. And and really just feeling more and more and more called. And that God had really called us to champion this story, to champion and steward this tremendous opportunity to share flesh and bone story, this beautiful word picture of what the Lord had done in saving my life, but how more than that, how I am in fact healed, even though my body is very broken. And we, we felt really a call to share that message Um more and more and more basically it led up to where we could no longer deny the fact that god was calling us into ministry full time for us both because we we couldn't do it on the side anymore it was just too all-encompassing and really the desire of both of our hearts was to just share the truth that we had learned and to just get get to be this this really amazing just picture for other people of what a healing can look like, even if it's not what you thought it would look like, and how beautiful unpacking that is. You know, they say the parables that Jesus told were truly camouflage for the gospel. Just making it simple, breaking those stories down. And we feel the same way, that we get to be this amazing picture of the gospel for people that's just broken down, in a way, story of of the fact that Jesus heals and that he makes things new and he does create beauty from ashes. 
I think that's such a beautiful testament and and the most impacting part of your story, I think, is that piece of hope that no matter what your circumstance, there is a God who loves you loves you and he doesn't make mistakes. And I, I know the struggle with, well, is this a mistake? And is how is this what you had planned for my life, Lord? has got to be a question at some point throughout this entire process. Oh, absolutely. That was just a huge, a, a huge, yeah, a huge thing to wrap my mind around. I couldn't, couldn't understand in my darkest moments if this was even part of God's plan, is if this was not a mistake, that had God turned his back and forgotten me because I was in this funky caught between life and death thing and I wasn't fully alive and engaged and able to walk and eat or anything else but I wasn't in heaven I wasn't dead so I I kind of was a mistake I felt like I was kind of in between both worlds and God really spoke into that just terrible sadness and and reminded me of truth I'd known since I was a little girl, in fact. And I heard recently that you are in training for the trial that you will experience in this broken world. And I feel like my entire life had been training for that moment as a 26-year-old girl when this would happen, that all the truth I'd stored in my heart and known deep in my soul, finally in this moment, the, what what is the expression? The, the rubber met the road. <laughs> it was time to... Um, to just trust, I think, is the emotion. Just to deeply trust that who God was meant that my only response could be faith to what He to what He allowed to happen. That I had to trust that God's plan is better than mine, and God knows best. God doesn't make mistakes in any of our lives. He knows exactly what will happen. I love that as as just sort of the last takeaway as we sort of wrap up today that that there there are no mistakes when when it concerns God and God knows exactly what He's doing even when exactly. we, even when we don't. Yeah, exactly. God is is not one to be surprised. In Psalm one thirty nine. It's very clear that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Romans 8, 28 says that all things will work out for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And that's the truth. Somehow, God is working everything out for the good, for our good, everything. And I, and I love as somebody who's gone through what you've gone through, that's the hope that, that is alive in you. And that's the inspiration that people can pull out of out of you being here and and you know the call that God's placed on your on your life and that purpose that he's laid out for you has has everything to do with where you've been and where you're going Absolutely. The bottom line is that we are forever anchored, not in this world, but we're anchored in heaven with him so we can stand firm in this sad, broken, messed up world, knowing that our anchoring is not in this world, but we are strong enough. As you say, we have ultimate power. We are warriors because of what he has done for us. Amen to that. I can't believe we have to wrap up. Do you see how fast that went? Oh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So we, we end each episode. I could talk to you forever, but um, I know you're busy. 
We end each episode with um, something called the scoop. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So this show is called Heroes for Her, and it's all about heroes, obviously. So growing growing up, who was your hero and why? Or who was a hero to you? Oh, my goodness. Well, there there were many, but I would probably say Corey Ten Boom was one that always just inspired me so deeply. I am... the thought of a concentration camp and what she went through and what she was able to do on the other side just informed so much of my life, even from my early childhood. I read The Hiding Place at a very young age, which is her one of her books, and was just so inspired. And in a very small way, I do not remotely equate it, I went to a very deep, dark place that she did and emerged with Jesus still in my heart, trusting him every step of the way. So I, I would say Corey Ten Boom is probably uncool as that sounds. I wish it was some fabulous pop star, but no. <laughs> Stop it. It's I not also, uncool. I, tell you, I don't know if you know Johnny Erickson Tada. She is a tremendous lady. She's a quadriplegic who lived actually in North LA, in fact, and she paints with her teeth, and it's really a tragedy that the new generation out there, younger, younger ones than me, don't know her name, because she is a tremendous, tremendous inspiration to me, and she has been since I was a child as well, but God doesn't ever make mistakes in any of our lives. He is working and calling us to be truly warriors and heroes for other people, just as you are asking and as your podcast shares. Thank you so much for sharing those specific names too. I think I think something that's practical and helpful for parents, at least for me, and that's the goal of this show, is to highlight these women and these these female role models that are out there doing amazing things so we can know who they are and celebrate them. You're exactly right, Erin. In in the world right now, there are so many hideous um, women on platforms where every girl wants to be this gross, pathetic woman that doesn't, not only does she not walk with the Lord, but she is actively pointing people away from truth and real beauty. And the reality is we got to bring it back. We got to say, no, listen up, little girls. You need to be like her, not like her. It's time we re-narrate that story because it hasn't worked so well to follow the fill in the blanks out there. It's it's not turned out too well. You're speaking my language, Catherine. Erin, <laughs> I wanted to share one more thing. Oh, yeah. No problem. I have two other questions, too, so I know we're having to wrap it up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'll wait till the end. Go ahead. Okay, so, no worries. It's all good. Okay. So, second question. What piece of advice about life have you either given to somebody or received that has been one that's impacted you the most? Oh my goodness. Well, there there are so many. Um, it's hard to narrow it down. Goodness. I, um, I think for me, the piece of advice given by many, actually, and that I really took to heart, Jay and I both really took to heart when we first moved to Los Angeles, but that is relevant in every situation, every place, not just about a move, is this notion of plant deep 
your roots, wherever you are in whatever situation you are in. Never see any place you live or any situation you're in or anywhere you go as just passing through. Mm -hmm. Go deep. Plant deep roots. Dive in. Don't miss the opportunity to invest deeply in the lives of those around you, knowing that you're not promised tomorrow. So how you live today matters deeply. So plug in over and over in the Bible. We see just how much we are called to, to go deep to really plow down just let, and recognize that it's beautiful. Psalm 16.6 says that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, that we've, we've been given these beautiful, this beautiful space that's ours to champion and to steward and to love. And I think the greatest piece of advice I've ever heard and that I've given over and over and over is to plant deep roots, to love where you are in your life and know that God has called you to that specific place for such a time as this, that God is in the business of making things beautiful in your own story, your unique story that only you can truly live into and live out. That thought that you just mentioned about God making things beautiful leads me to my last question. So at Bible okay. Bells, we talk a lot about about girls and this next generation and that they've been gifted with these certain talents and abilities and that when you think about it they are supernatural they can be viewed as superpowers and that Absolutely. and that they can make girls strong and capable and loving and and give them the heart of a servant and really what it means to be beautiful yeah. so if you could have a superpower any superpower what would it be for you Oh, goodness. Um, good question. Thank you. What superpower would I most want? Um, you know, for me in my life right now, we are able to really, through the Internet, reach people all over the world. And it, it's just so cool to think somebody will hop on Google and type in Stroke Survivor and find me and reach out to me. And maybe they're in Wisconsin or Michigan or something. And effortlessly, I can email with them, talk to them on the phone, really encourage them. But I guess you can never, ever um, compete with an in-person presence so I think the superpower I would most want is to fly so I could just fly on over to Wisconsin or Nebraska or Michigan and just meet with people in person and hug their neck and encourage them in their tragedy and darkest hour that God is enough and that he's making things beautiful in his time and I think flying would be the one I want yeah it's hard to say though I want them all I, uh, as women, don't we? <laughs> oh, totally. I try well, to answer this question probably, for myself, and I'm like, I can't pick one. Exactly. Yeah, and and you know, we we do have our amazing superpower in the Word of God, and that's enough to equip us with the ultimate power that we need, which is His power. So I, I think we are actually superheroes as we are. Amen to that, sister. Hey, if people want to find out more about you and your story and what you're up to, where where's the best place for them to do that? 
absolutely. They can go to www.hopeheals.com, and that's heals like H-E-A-L-S, hopeheals.com. And what we're up to right now is that we wrote a book, and it comes out in April. And the book is our story, the seven-year narrative of what we've been through since my stroke. And I must say, it ends with something pretty fabulous. I don't know whether or not it's too much of a spoiler alert, but I think I'll share it anyway. I had a baby this summer. Back in in June, I had a sweet new baby, and God truly restored many of the years that the locusts have eaten and gave me a new baby with a new chance um, to be mommy from six months to two years old even. And we're in that season right now, actually. And it's just so beautiful. I um, I would love, love, love to encourage any in your audience to follow me, check out our story, and just feel encouraged in their own lives. They can follow me on social media at Hope Heals, and it's nice because you can go to facebook.com um, Hope Heals or yeah, facebook.com Hope Heals um, at Hope Heals Handle and our website and if you want to pre-order the book, you can go to hopehealsbook.com so www.hopehealsbook.com and actually pre-order the book and I'm just delighted to have this resource I'll send you a copy, Erin Oh my gosh, that would be so fantastic and everybody listening out there please do yourself a favor and reach out to Hope Heals and the, and find out about the work and the testimony that Catherine and Jay have. It is truly inspiring. It's hit me on so many, so many deep and personal levels. I can't thank you enough for being here, Catherine. Oh, thank you, Erin. It's a joy to be with you. I'm so excited with this amazing work of Bible Bells. It's just so cool. Oh, thanks so much. You know, we're just trying to follow and, and do what God's telling us to do and get out of the way. <laughs> exactly. That's the name of the game, I think. Love it. Thank you so much, Catherine. Have a blessed day, okay? Oh, you too. Bye-bye. This is a safe place. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, you can email me at hello at biblebells.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Just let